0: Jesus. Recorded live.
1: Well, if you can believe it, it's August 3rd for the SOS Mastermind class on our Monday mornings, 2015. And uh, just so you know, you never know who's going to be listening to these things to give a sense of uh, perspective. In 2016, we're getting ready for uh, a new presidential election, but as it always goes, the campaigning has started. And at this point in history, um have an interesting, ph- I'll call it a phenomenon, is that Donald Trump, and who knows when someone listens to this later, if he won't have ended up being our president. <laughs> so anyway, but he's um, campaigning, as he has in the past, and seems to be making some serious headway. And um, so I thought it was just really interesting when you take somebody who's, um, it's not the first time, remember, Ronald Reagan, et cetera, someone from the media personality, as well as coming from another industry and some might say is a real character, um, might have said the same about some other presidents, um, who all of a sudden is, or seems all of a sudden, is really resonating. So um, I've been watching him with interest. So we don't do politics on this show. It's not about the content of what he's saying. We're, not, we're going to forget that. Um, what I wanted to, you to realize as salespeople is it more about how he's saying it and where he's saying it, because there's really a lot that we can learn as he continues to rise up up in the polls there's some good lessons for salespeople because when it really comes down to it everything is sales whether you're in politics healthcare, like you guys in, in business solutions and let me quote um our fearless leader at Frito-Lay I've quoted him before Herman Lay who said nothing happens until somebody sells something and so really all the people in politics are always trying to sell you on their philosophy or to sell you to vote for them so it's really about sales so um, let's go over a little bit um, of what at least I see um, um, of what's going on here. A little bit, and um, it's all about when you think about it. We've talked about this a zillion times. What people care about, and using the language and the medium that people want. No different than when you're calling on any of your clients, right? If you're not, if you're going in there talking about office supplies, but your buyer. It's just having angst because, you know, the number of people, you know, a number of customer counts going down, they don't care about what kind of pen is going to be in the office. So finding out, you know, what people really care about and then using the right language, interestingly, and then connecting with them the right way. If you're texting somebody who's, you know, and this is a little bit of a, I don't know, um, generalization, but potentially if your buyer was – you know seventy years old and you're texting them, they may not answer maybe. but if you're constantly calling and leaving messages and your new buyer is 32, they're not answering you either. I can tell you that right now. You better start texting. so um, so according you know like what some would say is that Donald Trump is really talking about what people care about, right? And you know he might be right because there are polls that say that 59, almost 60% of, Ameri- of people in America believe that the American dream is dead and it's almost impossible to achieve. And so the number one reason, I mean, if you feel like you can't achieve, if you feel as though there's little hope for you, most people are really basically pissed off and angry. And there's lots of reasons to be angry, right? People don't, Congress doesn't seem to be getting anything done. Um, you know, there are many people who feel like they can't get ahead. So um, I wanted to hearken back when you think about that, that that's what people might, good chance that that's what they're caring about, all those kinds of things. I want to take you back about two years ago. Um, we've done several classes about thought, okay? That's basically that as human beings, we are our thoughts, right? And as Byron Katie, we did some Byron Katie work. Um, she's a philosopher and someone that talks a lot about the impact of thoughts. We know where they come from, right? They come from, they're placed there from the moment we're born. Then these thoughts on our left side of our brain start getting placed there by our parents, authority figures, teachers, you know, and our brains immediately label those thoughts as truth, right? And there's an old expression from Byron Katie that says, you never have any problems with your thoughts unless you, until the day comes and you start to believe them. So the question is, as we go through these things, that... All these thoughts that are, you know, your heads, our heads, people's heads, etc. Many times we believe them as truth, but I'll leave the question out there, but are they? So let's go back to Donald Trump and why I think he resonates. First of all, I think he comes across very authentic, right? A lot of authenticity there. Um, Let's not think about what he's saying or whether you believe that or not. I'm talking about how he comes across and how he speaks. He really does appear to tell it like it is excuse the word, but there's really, doesn't appear to be a lot of, you know, bullshitty type of speech, right? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whether what he's saying is true or not, it just appears true, just like a thought, right? But as a result, he really does look brave to many, and like he really finally stands for something. He really stands up to his foibles, like his past marriages, and stand right there looking in the eye and take responsibility for it. And he's certainly not politically correct PC. And don't we have enough of PC, right? Not really politically correct. So, you know, how many times have we talked about it about in today's selling environment? It's one of the number one things that people are looking for, is authenticity. If you're going in and you are giving, like, I apologize, but bullshitting answers to people's questions, they'll pick up on it right away and you are not getting that sale. So really coming across, telling it like it is if you know that that the client wants something that you know specialized can't do and looking at i go you know what we can't do it but let me think let me help you maybe think of somebody else that can those kinds of answers like don't bullshit around don't take a lot of time just give it to him donald trump's doing that right also getting things done right he appears to be a doer right because I think people are just tired of things not getting done. They just some, want somebody who will say what they will do and do it, even if they don't, care, they don't agree with what it is they say they're going to do. I think people are exhausted, right? And you know, so are your customers. They're also getting barraged with emails and texts and voicemails, and their workloads, I guarantee it, has doubled, tripled, quadrupled if anyone's been there for any length of time so they're also exhausted. so as a salesperson when you get in there using language that says listen i can take care of it no problem like you want to have an e-commerce solution so all of your franchisees can order from one spot it we can take it. we do it all the time we'll handle it you know you just tell us you know we'll you know tell us what products you want on there or what you'd like to consolidate and it all comes through our system, and it's handled. If we have any problems, we'll let you know. I mean, that is so comforting to somebody who's just getting barraged with a zillion things to do. Um, So how many times when you think about it that you think politicians all talk, no action, right? Um, And here's the other thing. Um, You always feel as though they're controlled by lobbyists, controlled by other things, controlled by uh, special interest groups, PACs, all those things, there's something about uh, Donald Trump that you feel as though he's got his own money, he's not, he's not beholden to anybody. And you know there's a play there for you guys that Specialized. That's what comes down to a family-owned local business. You're not beholden to Wall Street. And people that understand how big business works knows that, you know, answering to Wall Street every quarter is a pretty tough thing and that companies will do what they have to do to meet to get that number, and it may or may not mean paying attention to them, especially if they're on the smaller side of being a client. You know, you're a small fish, huge pond. It's the same kind of thing. You could play on that. Here's one of the things, one of my favorite things, and I just thought this was so interesting, and I had written this down that Donald Trump speaks very simply. When you listen to him, he uses very few words, but the words that he uses are strong. And it's really no different than last week. I, I made a mistake when we were talking about Tim Wackle and I was like, there was a 10, 20, 30 rule. And I was asking Don, like, is that like the presentation rule? It's actually a, a venture capital coming from Guy Kawasaki, who's a big venture capitalist. He has this rule, that, and it's a great rule. When you write a presentation, you're getting up and doing a PowerPoint in front of someone, no more than 10 pages, no more than 20 minutes of explanation of talking, and no smaller than a 30-point font, right? Well, the reason that guy says that is because people just can't take it in. They just want simplicity. Few words, but make sure those words on those 10 pages, even though there's not room for a lot of words when you're doing them, are strong and impactful. Donald Trump speaks exactly like that. So here's a little bit about his sentence pattern okay he always speaks in subject verb objects that's like the simple sentences we learned in elementary school and he uses two very specific intensifiers we might call them adverbs or something very and really that's why when I wrote today's notes um, when I sent the message out that today's class that was like a little joke at the end I was like we're gonna talk about how Donald Trump can what we can learn from him really 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 really, really. Um, So it's like this. Remember, Trump doesn't say he's like rich, like, you know, he's really rich, right? And so when he says, I I am really rich, you know, I'm worth billions. So right away people connect. Hey, if he uses his own really rich billions to run his campaign, he's not going to, he's only going to answer to the American people. People take the thoughts and start running with it. And Recently, what's happened? He got cut off by NBC, NASCAR, uh, Macy's dropped his clothing line, right? He, he looked, un, like it, and he said like it was basically like he looked unfettered, right? You and I be flipping out, and the fact of the matter is, how do we know he's not flipping out behind the scenes? But in terms of what he looks like, keeping his cool, right, looks like he's willing to sacrifice absolute millions in TV contracts in order to speak his mind just to make him, he looks more trustworthy, right? Because he doesn't care what the American people care about he cares about. He just gave up billions, and it appears as though he has a lot of integrity. And he says really and very, so a lot, so you know that what he says is really true. Now, why does the use, now this I did some research on, I couldn't believe this, so listen to this. So I did some research on the use of the words very and really. Listen to this one. This is good to use on a sales call. Seems that those two words date back to the 1600s and the 1800s respectively. They are the oldest intensifiers in the English language and they are the most common. But they're the most common only among older speakers. And specifically, especially among older males in rural areas. Um, Rural women and older women use it too, but they have a couple other words they also use, like so, he's so cute, he's so this, which men don't use, by the way. Anyway, so linguistically, the gaps emerge when age and location get factored in. So if you're talking to a young urbanite, trendy kind of person, they use different kinds of intensifiers. They use, like for a while it was hella and things, but you know what they use a lot? The F word, right? How much do we see the F word being used, right? You're effing great. This is so effing fun. You know, write it, right? Um, so um, when Donald Trump says, I'm really rich, if you were to be talking in front of someone um like a millennial, you might say, I'm effing loaded. It's the same thing, but it. when you're a conservative person, they hate that. I'm effing loaded. They hate it. But conservative older people, they love, I'm really rich. So here's the thing. So the use of very simple sentences combined with a lot of varies and realies makes Trump very linguistic linguistically um very much on um the man and people can really relate when you're a rural retiree right and you know sitting around maybe feeling frustrated you know about what's happened to america and everything like that and by contrast interestingly enough um when you think about how president obama speaks um the last i think that well i'm sure he's done other speeches but the, the speech that he recently made um, after those horrible murders in Charleston. He was at the church and it got a lot of press. He never used the words really or very at all, not even one time. So what he was using, he uses a lot of dependent clauses and polysyllabic words, which tends to lean towards people that are like highly educated. I don't mean it like that, but, you know, very more of an intellectual kind of thing. So he was expressing things like, systemic oppression um, those kinds of words that's what i mean and that's why people may, like of certain ilks like that like the you know that are more familiar with sim- simple sentences really and varies and things like that don't trust him okay so what's the le- lesson of all that so when you speak simply donald trump believe it or not even though he's a billionaire does come off like a regular Joe, like the plumber down the street. Lesson here for a salesperson, pe- interestingly enough. So you know, get a little bit, not that I, you go in using the F word, do, but it is an interesting lesson that how linguistics play when you're trying to sell. I guarantee you that Donald Trump knows these statistics. Um, and he knows... Um, that when he's on running Celebrity Apprentice, for example, if you ever watch that show and he's speaking, if you think about it now, it made me think about it, even on that show he speaks very simply because he knows he'll reach more people, and not just the rural older populations, but just in general. You reach more, and I think there's all kinds of statistics. There used to be statistics. I don't know what they are, but like, you know, the the reading level of people... You know, most people are like sixth grade or things like that. So, and he knows that the intensifiers are really, really. You know, he is really, really mean. Or these people are really bad. They're really, really bad. When he gets pissed off, have you, you've heard him like talk about people? He's very, he's very mean. You know, whoever he's talking about, he, that's how he describes them using those two words. Interesting to think about when you're on a call. To remember to speak simply, subject verb object, and until you get to know people super, super well, and really, really, really well, and to think about that those two intensifiers mean the most to the to most of us, we all get it, just to think about. All right, back to another pointer about, um, this relates to the linguistics, but it's a longing for the older days, right? So even though the older days were probably no different, um, Trump comes across again for, for boomers longing for the old days when life was, quote, less complicated. And I would throw it out there, was it? Another thing too is that I wrote down that money equals intelligence, right? So you look at someone like Donald Trump and he's got uh, really, really, really a lot of money, right? He, has, he says he has billions, 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 I'm sure he does, whatever. So let's now hearken back to two weeks ago when we had class with Simon Sinek's talk about what happens when money becomes the goal, then we lose our way. Do you remember that When that we talked about, don't expect you to have it memorized, but we talked about you know, the different neurotransmitters and how they affect the way we look at the world, right? And serotonin, one of them was the chemical that gives us feelings of leadership and pride and status, right? And it's really important uh, for public recognition, etc. So think about someone like Donald Trump, and, you know, and when, you put, and when put, people want pride and status, what do they do? When they accomplish something, they want their family and their friends to see it. Hello, Facebook, hello, when we graduate putting our families in the audience. So you feel great when there's serotonin in your veins. Isn't he just, don't you think he knows that? So he's giving, when he talks about bringing America back again, a lot of them do that, but when he does it, he, he, he kind of gives you more of a sense of, again, authenticity, right? Because serotonin, it, it gets it rising in your, in your blood. But remember about serotonin that it can easily be tricked, and one of the ways it can be tricked is replacing money for those chemical feelings of pride and status because there's really no relationship between leadership and a physical thing. So when you're constantly trying to have things and wealth, you know, what is it? Donald Trump has like gold faucets in his bathroom or there's like all those kinds of things. Um, You'll never feel satisfied, right? Because it really is no relationship. Money's just a tool. But when you um, share with others and so forth, that's really where your real pride comes from. So it's a little bit of a, of a trick to be care you know this is just something just a kind of just remember from our talks it's just kind of interesting Um, I also put down desperate for an answer we've talked about this a little bit so far let life just feel so complicated that they love um, again simple questions and solutions so think about it problem with immigration I'll just build a really high fence now Intellectually, we I think, how are you gonna do that? I mean, they start thinking about how you physically would do it, and like <clears throat> getting land rights, or like how many trillions I don't know it, it would cost, or time, or whatever. But it it's very comforting. We'll just so you know what the younger people substitute that simple sentence. They still they get it. We'll just effing build a fence. Mm. It sounds better than all the complicated nothing we get from everybody else, right? So again, it doesn't matter what he's saying, but it's how he's saying it. We'll just, I'm just going to ship, here's another solution. 11 million people, just collect them. We're going to ship them out, put them in a line, take the good ones, and send the bad ones back. Simple solutions. People are like, yeah, I get that. Interesting when you're selling to remember to use Simple solutions, no difference. Now what about media, right? So media clearly has changed forms, right? But it used to be that you know, you hear the news and it was a fact-based report. For those of us that are old on the line, you don't have to raise your hands, I'm raising my own, right? It used to be like the news was always a fact-based, but now if you listen to the news, even our local news at 10 o'clock, it's full of opinions. <laughs> I hear somebody whistling, um, and, but the media still has a huge hold on people. It still grabs people's trust, except now, even if you're on YouTube, it grabs your trust. Even if you have, if you're, if you have a ton of followers on Twitter, just as long as being on TV, I mean, that's like really, it still means that <clears throat> in our thoughts, most of us have learned, hey, if you're on TV, you're smart. Um, and he has mastered keeping himself in the forefront of the media because he knows one thing. It doesn't matter if it's good media or bad media, as long as you're in the media, right? And since he's also had someone, and the only person running has had his own TV show, he, he knows that he's, you know, he's been in people's homes. You know how that is? You know how, like, you're out, and, like, let's say you see someone on your favorite a series show that you watch every week, you feel like you know them. If they walk by, you'd say, hi, so-and-so, hi, so-and-so, hi, Mr. Trump, You because know, you feel like you know them. And one of the things that he's done for years and years and years has been extremely consistent being on TV and other media constantly. So he's on Fox and Friends every week. So the Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice, that show's been on 14 years. Every year, same time, show up, <clears throat> it's 8 o'clock, same place. That gives you a sense of relatability and also being reliable. He's reliable. You know he's going to be in the news every day. You can find him, right? <clears throat> People also always long for the hero, right? It goes back to the, um, <clears throat> the hero's saga, the hero's journey, which... I haven't done a class on that in a long time. I'm going to put that down and repeat that class because that's important. And it's really about, you know, the the hero having a hard time and then finding his way back. So that whole bravado, leadership, and longing for that hero, the savior, the outsider, right? That's another reason Donald Trump resonates. He's not a typical political, doesn't come from that ilk. He's not a Clinton or a Bush that you think of or Kennedy or somebody like that you think of, oh, you know, He's really, he positions himself as the outsider coming from a different industry. He's not like them. So it's like he's the returning hero that's in every single movie, every superhero, right? It's always, you know, the person that's going to save us. Um, People like him because he's simple and he's standing up and fighting back. Um, And think about how he shuts people down when anyone tries to complain about him. It's almost the same as having, you know, a great judo hit or having the sword that just kills everyone, like, in, you know, Star Wars or something like that. It's no different. He'll just come at you with guns ablazing. doesn't matter what. He'll say anything. So, again, it's like that superhero who doesn't care will come in and kill the bad guys. Um, so it's standing and fighting for what you believe in. It, it's that impression. Um, and all people are always looking for what? A strong leader. Always looking for a strong leader. So if you just kind of look like our platonic type of ideal that looks like a strong leader, it's like an outsider who shakes things up, isn't afraid to speak the truth, even if it's offensive. One who has proven leadership abilities um, and will pay for his own campaign. Do you see how that's really it really taps into our hidden, uh, not hidden, our core mythic beliefs that, you know, hero will come in and save us. Um, and he's the only one that really can claim those types of qualities as being an outsider and, you know. And what does he always call himself? Talk about another compelling um, feature is about competition, about being a winner, and talking about how the rest of the world is really beating us, right? and you don't want to be beat, and you want to win, and you want to always be a winner. It's very much in the core of the American dream. So always keep that in mind as well, that when you walk into a client's office, whether it's someone you've called on for 10 years or a new person, you're you're also like the outsider. You want to be their hero. You're going to solve their problems, and it's not going to take almost any of their time. That's how you partner with someone. And I know that all of you on the phone have people that look upon you as, like, their hero. They're just going to take care of that stuff that you just don't want to even deal with. And when you need to know, listen, just, you know, reprint my stationery. You know what? We're out of inventory. They barely have to say anything to you because you're going to fly in with your sword and just take care of it. The key is is that once you have that trust, they know you're their hero, is that you can solve a lot more of their other problems for them because they already have that trust, Right. That notion of the returning hero, that mythic, we can get into you know, Campbell's philosophy of you know, we're always living that, um, the same myth of the hero, is just so ingrained into our brains that that's another reason that Donald Trump is resonating, and it's a way that you can resonate with no problem. People are always looking for the hero to save them, um, that um, he's really resonating with a lot of people, um, so it's all about being the best, right? Not only does he use the word "very," really, he always uses the word "best." I have the best golf courses. I have the best buildings. I'm the best. It's the best TV show. We have more wa- more people watching Celebrity Apprentice than anyone. It's the best. True? Not true? I don't know. So, and then another thing that really resonates. um, also, with a, I think probably a younger marketplace is viewing the United States as a brand, right? Well, that's another reason Donald Trump resonates is because he knows how to create a brand. That brand is not only on real estate, but it's on clothing, it's on TV shows, it's on other types of, you know, Miss USA or whatever, all that other stuff, and tons and tons and tons, and his brand at least, you know, is for a premium type of brand. So he can talk to the young, millennial, entrepreneurial about brands. They relate to that. And he has. He'll say he'll take the brand of the United States and make it great again. Again, simple. I'm going to take the brand of the United States subject, make it, verb, great again. Object, that's it. Simple. People get that. Um, And... Um, and what does he do then when he lost the NASCAR, Macy's, NBC relationships? Looked like he, he didn't break a sweat, at least on in front of the cameras, right? He went and said, you know what? I'll make a bigger profit now. Because guess what? They gave me a bunch of deposits, I'm keeping them. People are like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. So for all those times, and we all have them, when we have that troubled, don't we all have this, you know, um, I've already said bullshit, but that pain in the ass client, right, who's just, right, or something goes wrong, you just know you're going to get beat up and you do get beat up and it's just constant, right? Um, One client comes to mind, okay, you never let them see you sweat, just calm, cool, Absolutely positively, you know what, listen, just like Donald Trump, sorry, we made a mistake, but we'll take care of it because we're still the best. We're the best here. And we're very, very sorry, very. And we're really sure we can get this fixed. There's A lot to learn from politics. So with that, I'd love to get your feelings about today's uh, sales class by Donald Trump. Um we can open up the lines. It's the eight o'clock hour. <laughs> I'm dying to hear what people people are probably like, What but curious what you thought. Don, did you have any thoughts? Are you on? Yes, I am. How are you feeling this morning? Are you feeling any better?
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot better. Okay. Still tweaked but not as much pain. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good.
1: Oh you're tweaked and you have a lot to say. There you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was just curious. Um, have you learned anything from Donald Trump this morning? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think uh, I think a lot of the points you made were really valid. You know, mm-hmm. he, he does speak really plainly, and uh, I'm sure it's you know he knows it works. And he, you're right. He wants to appeal to the masses, so he doesn't really care about. Plus, he's not not a big person on frills, so he he doesn't care about you know using college words. You know, in a sentence, because that doesn't—it's just not his thing, right? Um, and he, you know, he commands—he commands an audience, that's for sure. I, you know, I think—I think deep down, Donald Trump, in a lot of ways, is actually a pretty nice guy, to his, the people, his friends and stuff. And even like, he, I think his his biggest issue, and it probably always will be, is he's just so arrogant. Mm-hmm. So, and and when you have power and arrogance together, it's just a nasty combination. You know, in my opinion, it's just hard to find humble people that are powerful <laughs> you know? but that aside, you know the things you brought up, I think are really true as how they apply to
1: yeah us absolutely. And our work it absolutely works yeah and um especially um for those of you that are technologically savvy, even if you're working even if you're um walking into an office with Younger folks, you know, you have to be absolutely sure that they're also technologically savvy before you start talking, really quick about things like servers and, um, you know, even like words like like that and this and that and the other, just to make sure that people, because they may they're not going to tell you I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> I'm tell you that? I, th- I'm th- I think a lot of times, you heck? know, people in that age bracket, uh uh-huh. They, um, if you if you had a question about or if you mentioned something that has to do with any kind of software, unless they happen to be in that realm, they're going to say, you know, all I know is, you know, call IT.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> That's absolute <laughs> solution. That's just, we don't need to know that stuff. They got right. An don't ID assume person knows and forth the...
1: simple before yeah. you you assume. And um, especially when you're with a room of people and you can have a mix, right? Yeah. Like um, you really want to be, you know, I was thinking um, – We'll, we'll get to you, Aaron, but I was thinking about you and Nathan in that Goodwill meeting. Simple sentences when you see people not agreeing, different types of people, and like, oh, right, it's just like that. So anyway, um, how was your week, Don?
2: Oh, it was good. Actually, um, I was thinking about it this morning. The two, the two, two. There were several things, but there were two things that stood out to me that um, I think are going to have a lot of potential, and we'll see, but... One was um, had to do with the auction houses, yes. and I ended up getting with Rusty about it and, and Nathan, is that there's I just think there's a potential there with um, all the other auction places that are around the country and maybe not even here but even outside the U.S. Right. as far as the software that we're looking at. And there's a, there's a real easy way for us to access all these different um, auction houses and, and offer them the same thing that we're offering Jay Levine, mm-hmm. and, and it's and I didn't really put it all together until I was on the um, site that Jay Levine uses, which I just happened to search for um, auction houses, or you know auctions, and and they're probably the biggest the biggest auction platform you know in the world I think, and so they have all these different people using them, and the, the difference is with Jay Levine is they were trying to take their customers and have them. Um, categorize the things they're looking for, so they could contact them when they have them in an auction. Um, the, the deal is the software they use, the platform they use. If you if you go into that site and um, put down the things you want to be notified about, like oh I, I'm into antique art or guns or whatever, um, you get an email every day from all the different auctions that are carrying that stuff that you want.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: Jay Levine doesn't want to advertise, you know, their people to all these other auctions. Mm-hmm. So they, they never mention that. They want it just to be to them. Well, that's true of all. Every single auction house in there has got that same issue. They don't want the uh, customer being notified of, you know, 2,500 other auction houses that are competing with them.
1: I would hate they that.
2: Only, they only want to get notified when it's their auction. You know? Right. So that was something that I think is really has a lot of potential. And then, mm-hmm. then another thing that came up is somebody had emailed me a, um, or I saw an email that's kind of a, just goes out to everybody that's in the International Franchise Association, mm-hmm. and they referenced an article about how to break into um, mature franchise companies. And um, this guy put like 10 reasons, 10 things that are going on in a mature franchise. And the, his number three thing was acknowledge and recognize their contributions. He said one of the big mistakes franchisors make. Is they forget about the guys that started with them, the the ones that have been around ten years or twenty years, and they have all their emphasis on the new uh, franchisees and what they're doing, you know. And he says a big gap is not recognizing the veterans that have made really made their business successful. And so that can be done with promo, it can be done with awards, a lot of different things. And so I've been trying to think of a way to um, connect with all the uh, all these different franchisors. And we have that information from the show, you know, as far as contacting them, yeah, and I think showing this article and getting them to recognize that hey, are you, are you guilty of that
3: yeah
1: could really
2: could really be off and I don't I, you know the promo order would be nice, but I just really want my foot in the door,
1: exactly, a, you you're know, a solution so. person, and bringing up an issue that maybe they haven't recognized, or you know they haven't just you know something done like anything it. about it,, really <laughs> yeah. go in the back burner, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, just remember to ask them if they're really, really ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on to Aaron. How are you this morning? <laughs> are you on? Mm-hmm.
4: I'm, I'm very tired.
1: I, I bet.
4: I had. Uh, we had our charity cook-off, chili cook-off yesterday. Uh oh. So- I uh, was cooking all weekend and then standing and serving all day yesterday. Who won? Uh, I don't know who won. We got third again. Two years in a row, we've gotten third.
1: That's really good.
4: We've tried two different recipes and gotten third each time, and they're completely different recipes. So I don't know what to make of that.
1: All right. But you got to start Googling and finding out what the secret sauce is.
4: You know what? It changes every year. Like I remember last year they had – all kinds of weird meat, duck and venison and buffalo and all that, and they didn't have any of that this year. It was all pretty normal, different meats. They went with different chilies and different heat, and it, it just it's fun. It's-
1: yeah, you know what? Um, chili cook-offs are a big – I bet you that's a big business too. You should contact those folks. That's a lot of media, you know, website work, flyers, you know. There could be some work there.
4: Yeah, there is there's They they do T-shirts. There you go. Um, of course, T-shirts and
1: stuff. Uh, uh, you gotta believe. Not it. a
4: lot of flyers. They have some flyers around town, but not really a lot. And then uh, on their website, they have a webmaster. I can know that because I've talked to them before.
1: Yep, I would call on those people. Let's get the T-shirts next year. At least when you get third again next year, at least you'll have the order. <laughs>
4: that, that works for me. All
1: right. Yeah. Uh, did anything about today resonate about? Uh, you know, maybe as a salesperson, how you can, you know, learn a bit on how to resonate with people just like Donald Trump does, without the billions, I guess.
4: Well, I I consciously try to alter my speech to uh, what I'm hearing, like, for instance, in the example that you gave, uh, the uh, Goodwill, where the people were slow and deliberate and very (laughs) Uh, simplistic uh, words that they used I, I I would slow it down whenever I asked them a question. I try to slow it down and really make it seem like I'm thinking about what i'm asking right uh, and and so i try I consciously try to match or mimic my audience right uh, when I'm making the presentation
3: but the part that
4: that resonated uh, was when you were talking about how you've got to talk to like Donald Trump is using simple words and not multisyllabic and using and very and really quite a bit. And it made me think it's a, I, I thought it's very funny that conservatives like it when uh the younger generation speaks as a conservative would and and they they uh they look at it as very uh I don't know um uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for.
1: Um, Elitist?
4: uh, No, no, no. When they're talking about uh, when when they're using really and very and not using F and this and F and that, they look at it as respectful. But if you look at it the other way and you look at the young millennials and they're looking at some older guy going, hey, F and this and F and that, they look at it as being a pretender or a Uh a poser or whatever, whatever word you want to use. Mm -hmm. I think it really only goes one way.
1: Right. So maybe simplicity is the best way to go. Uh, Maybe.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can use, so I I just, I don't think you can go full into their dialect and their mannerisms because it looks fake and ingenuous. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that, that that was I, I just made me think about
1: that. Yep. I'm tapping into the the myth of the hero, the superhero that's going to save us. Yep. hmm That's an old one. So how was your week? Did you hear anything? Kind of, the, Goodwill kind of a slow week. What's that? Did you hear anything more from Goodwill or they're quiet now?
4: No, I'm going to reach out to them today. Um, I'd like to re-establish uh, the original line of uh, of trying to get introduced to the marketing people, and then also trying to get their immediate list, meaning just this office's list of supplies that we can quote out, which is originally what they wanted us to participate in.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. All right. Well. Good luck with that one. And uh, I think we'll move on to Craig in Las Vegas. Good morning.
5: Good morning. How are you?
1: Okay, how was your week?
5: It, it was eventful. I I packed up my whole life and moved 20 uh what 3700 square feet in 22 years worth of stuff in the last uh, 8 to 10 days.
6: Oh god. Jeez.
5: So so it was it was an enjoyable process. Uh-huh. I, I will never do that again.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Downsizing. How is business?
5: Business is good. We actually got our first order for some hats from City of North Las Vegas. Um, so that was good. We're starting to network in there, and my promoter over there is sending our name out to all the different departments and buyers for them to reach out to us for be it office supplies, be it grants, be it promo. Um, Goodwill of Southern Nevada. We had a couple orders um come in for them that we're finalizing for some events they're coming up So we're growing on the promo front with them and then the next step would be after we get promo settled and they get their logo design finalized for the new logo is uh working on their print products.
1: Okay. Good. Which I think would be extensive.
5: Correct, yeah. They, they, they currently, they do like a completely manual process for the business cards where, you know, somebody's filling out like, okay, what they want, they're emailing it, then they're building it on an Excel spreadsheet, then they're sending it over to their current vendor. So they love the idea and the solution that, hey, how about we just build your card as a template, it goes out there, it can still go to your graphics team or somebody for approval to make sure it's correct and they're not ordering a card that says, you know, vice president or CEO when they're, you know, a manager or something like that but how about you eliminate all these extra steps you're doing internally and they love that idea.
1: Hmm. Well. Wow. And the Fletcher group did um where are you at with them? Uh Fletcher
5: Jones, we are doing an actual QBR or business review next week with them on Tuesday. Oh. Rusty's out here.
1: Oh, I thought so, you were so,
5: already- okay. Yeah, no, that's uh next week Tuesday.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's move on to uh Deb. I don't know I don't even know why I'm calling on you, but um, Deb was off last week and she spent the weekend marrying off her daughter. So are yep. you <laughs> recovered? You- <laughs> uh getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. All the family, everybody's gone and all that? Yep. Everybody's gone, so uh, back to a little bit normal life here now. I think I'm just going to pass because I know what this is like, and I'll get you next week.
3: <laughs> we
1: okay. Back into it. So um, is Bob on this morning? Yes. Good morning. How are you?
3: Oh,
6: I'm just peachy, thank you.
1: <laughs> I know you've been working on some pro- uh, some projects and so forth, but... Um, Could you relate to uh, how Donald Trump is using linguistics and... Yeah,
6: um, he is not a politician. You do not hear him say what he thinks people want to hear.
1: People love that.
6: He's telling it the way he sees it. And I think that's extremely important. He's made no excuses
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
6: for what he's done. He he's been bankrupt. He's come back from two bankruptcies and become a, a multi-billionaire. <clears throat> and, and I think the government really has to be run like a business mm-hmm. instead of like a profession. But, you know, I I don't know what his chances are, but you know what? He's saying things that resonate with people that they've been saying to themselves, but he's, they're not hearing it from other politicians. And I think that's a good thing. It's a wake-up call for people to see what really is going on. It's their choice to what they want to do about it.
1: It's no different than what you would do walking in and to become a preferred vendor. I mean, your customers want to hear the same thing. Yeah, you just we want to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm,
6: I have a philosophy that the truth always comes out. Lies cannot be remembered.
1: Right. That's right. So we'll see how he does on that front.
6: <laughs> no, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's a long see. way to go yet.
1: Yeah, a long way to go, but... Still a lot to learn, so it'll be interesting to watch along the way. I think we'll do other, as we'll see how it all works out. But we'll bring this up again as uh, between now and the end of two, you know election time. Victoria, how's life in Tucson?
3: Is Victoria on?
1: I lose you. Maybe not. So move. I know Brad's not on today. Whoop. Are you there? Maybe having trouble. Star six. Well, Victoria, if you get on and if you're there, we can always interrupt. Rusty, do you have anything for the team?
0: Yes. Um, So just just in terms of the Donald Trump conversation, which (laughs) I think is really interesting. You know, we have all heard Nathan on numerous occasions talk about speaking to their listening. Yep. And it's a really important, it's it's definitely a skill that can be honed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And really the basic idea is you need to understand your listener's point of view. Um, you know, you, you don't want to talk you don't wanna talk marketing with someone who's in procurement. You know, in procurement, you wanna talk ease of use and time savings and you know, organizational benefits a little bit, that kind of thing. A marketing person, you're talking about you know, protecting the brand and consistency across all the categories, that kind of stuff. And so it's really a, a, it's really a similar type of approach that Trump is taking, and especially in the primaries, it's a very different discussion than after you win the, uh, win the nomination. You know, I think it was Nixon who said that to win the nomination as a Republican, you have to move way to the right. But then to win the general election, you have to move back to the center. And so I, I think that it makes primary season that much more interesting because they, all the candidates are really just pandering to their base. Mm-hmm.
3: Those,
0: are the votes, those are the votes they need today. And once you know someone emerges as the as the front runner, they're gonna win they're gonna win the nomination for their party. Suddenly, all all of the rhetoric and everything changes, and that's because the audience has changed, and you're speaking to different people listening at that point. And so it's really it's an interesting concept, and it's something that we do every day. And a lot of the time, we do it without without being conscious of it because we've all been in sales for for so long that you kind of understand it without having, without having to think twice about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a, a really interesting conversation. It's something to be mindful of all the time really when you're, when you're speaking with a prospect, you really have to understand what their concerns are and speak to those concerns so that they don't zone out and get bored and not listen to you anymore. Right. So I think it's a really, a really good discussion. Um, and then my, my travel, I'm going to be next Monday. I fly out early to go see Craig. And then the following Monday, I fly out real early to go see Aaron. So I will not – I'll be on a plane during these calls the next two weeks. And then uh, back to normal after that. And we have our sales meeting a week from Thursday, so be prepared for that. And that is all I've got for now.
1: All right. Awesome. Uh, Nathan? Or Bruce, do you have anything this morning?
7: Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome Welcome to myself back. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything. You know, I think that uh, I just want to talk about Donald. You know, I think it's really interesting because, you know, my friends keep talking about, like, who are you going to vote for in this election? And I have some friends who are Republicans, and I have some friends who are Democrats, and some people are really excited about Hillary and some people are really excited about other candidates, and and you know I, I kind of I kind of have really um, enjoyed the narrative that uh, you know that that Trump uses. I don't know that I I definitely don't agree with everything that he says, but the thing that I really like about him is that he you you know he is saying what he feels right, and you know that or I I assume that you know, other candidates who, you know, it costs $500 million to become the president of the United States. That's what Obama spent. That's what uh, Bush spent, $500 million. There are not, a, to make $400,000 a year for four years, and then, you know, you get speaking engagements afterwards. So it takes a long, long time to recoup that $500 million. So most people, A, don't have $500 million, And also, if you do have $500 million, you'd be crazy to spend it to become the president because it just doesn't make a good, it's just not a good uh, return. Mm -hmm. The thing that I really like about Donald is that, what does he care about $500 million? Mm -hmm. You know, for him, I mean, that's 5% of his net worth, like, whatever, you know, like, I would spend 5% of my net worth to try to become president. Uh, It's about $8, but nonetheless. The, so I like that he, you know, he isn't going to have special interest, you know, he's not going to owe favors to special interests, he's not going to owe favors to this union or that gun company or, or whomever. So, you know, I like that he speaks his mind. And, you know, I think it's pretty amazing that the American public has really um, embraced him thus far, the way that they have, because, I mean, he's leading, there are 17 Republican uh presidential candidates, and he's leading them. And the next closest person has half the number of votes or the number of polls. So I think it's really an interesting thing
3: mm-hmm.
7: uh, to see what's going on. I like his narrative. I think that, uh, you know, I, I wish I agreed more with his thoughts, but I really like that he says what he feels, and, he fe- you know, he says exactly what he feels, and there's no filter. There's no politics. As you said, there's no bullshit. It is what it is, and you either like him or you hate him. But even if you hate him, you might be inclined to vote for him. It's really interesting.
1: And so you see, you see how... Now let's look at the age difference. Nathan's a different um, generation, but you see how he's resonating. So if you mix the linguistic choices with the no bullshit, say what you mean. Authenticity is the number one concern with somebody of Nathan's generation and younger. That's their main concern, and their main, you, know, you see how he's speaking to all. But I have to say, Nathan... I was very surprised by something. I noticed that you're calling Mr. Trump by his first name. Now, I forgot to put this in there, but if you watch Celebrity Apprentice, if you ever watch him even on talk shows, he usually, I don't know if he's insisting, but it always is Mr. Trump. Even even when he's getting interviewed, he always uh, has the other people call him Mr. Trump. Even when the big celebrities are on his show, they call him Mr. Trump, and psychologically, what does that mean, authority figure, right?
7: yeah I mean I you know, I didn't
1: realize you had you know you took the leap <laughs> well
7: uh, you know it's funny because they call him the Donald right like I've seen him being called the Donald, and you know frankly uh you know he's he's you know he is a billionaire and he has gold faucets, and I have plastic faucets, but he's still a human being, he's still right. an American he's still a businessman he's you know some people would say not a very good one, but he's still a family man um
1: it's true. and
7: you know, I I don't need to call anybody. I mean, if he were president, I would of course call him Mr. I'm president.
1: Saying, I'm just saying that that's part of the the brand thing that he does. Right. Yeah, that's part of What he right. does. But it was interesting, and I forgot to put it in there.
7: Yeah. But, but he, I mean, he he, he does a lot of stuff like that, and you know, I I don't really believe in it, but you know, I'll call him Donald.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Not that you should have your clients call you, you know, you know, Mrs. Cox or something like that, but it's just call him. me
7: Mr. Goldberg. That's right.
1: <laughs> all these heads would turn. So I yeah. don't know. Um, I don't know if Bruce is on. Bruce, are you there?
7: I am,
4: Barb. And oh. I thought it was an interesting talk today, and um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the linguistics that he uses are well honed, and
3: um, I think we can all learn something. So um, uh, thank you. I did miss part of the call when I am going in and out of traffic, so